Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. Before we get into the notes here, remember the story in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 17 through 27, when it talks about the man who brought his son, who tried to kill himself and throwing himself into the fire, oftentimes throwing himself into the water to drown himself and all that. And the father said that he had a dumb spirit and he brought his son to the disciples and they couldn't cast him out. So Jesus said, not too kindly, he was upset with everybody and said, how long am I going to suffer you? How long am I going to be with you? Bring him to me. He said, oh, faithless generation, bring him to me. And he proceeded to talk to the, the man and said, how long has he been this way? He said, from a child, he was this way. And it's hard to imagine from a child that he was going through all this in his life. Oftentimes, throwing himself into the water to drown himself. Oftentimes, throwing himself into the fire to take his life that way. A suicidal spirit, a dumb spirit. That spirit behind what was going on in this young man's life. And for all those years, can you imagine being that parent or the parents are trying to have to continue to watch this child 24-7 to see to it that that doesn't happen? It has to be exhausting to be able to do something like that on a continuous basis every single day. Well, Jesus finally said, after he said, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus said to the man, you know, after this dialogue, you know, what's going on? What do you want? And the man said to Jesus, look, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, no, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. Now think about that statement. Let's have a little dialogue here. Think about it. If you could do something, Lord. No, if you can believe, son. If you can do something, Lord. No, if you can believe. What? If you can believe. No, no, if you can do something. No, 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 it's if you can believe. Think about that. Isn't that how people are today? How come God's not doing anything? I want God to do something. When's God going to do something? When's God going to act? Wait a minute. If you go by what Jesus said, it's not what God can do. God's already done it. It's what you can believe. And if you can believe, then all things are possible to him that believeth. And in actuality, sometimes we want to shift the responsibility over on God and they not take responsibility for ourselves to do our part to believe. I know that's not popular with people today because all people want to hear is that it's all on God. This is what God wanted. This is what God wills. This is what God allowed and so on and so forth. And what does Jesus say? No, no, no. It's what you can believe. And if you can believe it, it's possible. And what does the man cry out? I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Shouldn't that be the cry of every person's heart? Because if that's the case, that all things are possible to him that believes, then we should basically see to it that we tune up our believing 
so that things are possible to us. Well, of course, what happened was he cast the devil out. The man was thrown to the ground by the spirit that was in him. He was wallowing and foaming at the mouth and all that, going through all this like a seizure. And then they said, he's dead. And Jesus said, no, he's not dead. He picks him up by the hand and the guy's completely home. Now, this situation is a very difficult situation, a very trying situation. But here's what I want to point out tonight. That situation, you could say in the natural, was this guy was either schizophrenic, he was suicidal. You can say he was epileptic and that sort of thing. In the natural, we could diagnose it and say it that way. There was a spirit involved in this particular situation. And unless that spirit is dealt with, no matter what medications they're on, you know, it may control some of the symptoms at some point, I don't know. But there was not going to be liberty and freedom in that individual's life if the devil was not cast out. Can you see that? Once the devil was gone out, he's completely healed. He's completely whole. And that's basically our focus tonight. We want to talk about how we use our faith, but also to understand that there are spiritual forces at work in the earth today that are trying to destroy our lives we need to recognize that and do something about it. We've got to believe. Now, whenever we study a subject, any subject, it's probably good to ask the Lord, you know, what do you want me to know, Lord? We need information. What do you want me to know? What do you want me to be, Lord? That's transformation. How do you want to transform my life? It could be a transformation of the way we think. And that's important. As a man thinks, so he is in his life. What do you want me to receive? That's impartation. You're going to part something to me tonight. I've come here to have something imparted to me in my life. And what do you want me to do? What is that? Application. So we need it all. Information, transformation. We need it all. Impartation, application. So as we go into our study tonight, we look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to take time. I don't always take time to read all the scriptures. They're written there for you so you can take them and study at home for yourself. In verse 10, it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Right? Why? That you may be able, that is, sufficient resources, strength, and ability to what? Overcome all the powers of the devil, right? All the wiles of the devil. For we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Right? And having done all to stand, we're told to stand. Stand therefore, having what? Your loins good about with truth, on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall quench all the fiery darts of the devil, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit for all saints, etc. So we have a revelation of we are in a spiritual battle warfare here on this earth. And the devil, in case you haven't noticed, doesn't like us at all. Doesn't like anyone made in the likeness and image of God. Has a hatred for all humanity and wants to destroy human life. Wants to inhabit physical bodies. Wants to take over people's minds and way of thinking and just bring destruction Anywhere and everywhere he goes. So, in number one, our battle is not with people. Our battle is not with people, but with the principalities and spiritual powers. But with principalities and spiritual powers. 
that we encounter in this life. These invisible powers seek to devour us. That's what they want to do. They want to devour us, destroy us, finish us off, swallow us up. Remember 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 when Peter put it this way? Be vigilant. Why? Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He may. In other words, he needs permission. We need to say he may not. You may not devour me. You may not. You may not have access to my life. You may not have access to my body. You may, have, you may not have access to my way of thinking, to my mind, to my emotions, and so on and so forth. I realize it's a fight. It's a battle. It's not easy at times when you're going through encountering all kinds of difficult situations. But he's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, whoever gets permission, he'll devour, whom resists steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so both Paul and Peter are saying, look, there are unseen forces of darkness that are out there against us that want to bring destruction into our lives. And because we can't look beyond this realm, we don't see them there. And we're maybe not as consciously aware of the fact that they're there and they're operating in this realm of darkness against us. Now, Daniel, I'm sure, didn't see at, at the point that he was 21 days fasting and praying before God that this battle was going on in the spiritual realm. But we know from the book of Daniel what was taking place. But he held fast to his declaration of faith and believing God to show him what was the future and what took place. Michael was sent to help Gabriel fight against the enemy. And then he came and gave or delivered the message to him. So there's a battle that's taking place out there in the unseen realm that is trying to prevent us from experiencing the, let's say, the finished work of Christ in our lives so that we can receive healing, our deliverance, or whatever it is that we need from God to manifest. So, in point two, God has made provision for our protection from these evil forces. And what is that provision? His armor. Notice this. Clothe yourself with the armor of God. It's not our armor. It's the armor of God. Isn't that wonderful to know? It's not ours. It's the armor of God. So when he sees us clothed with the armor of God, then what's he seeing? God's armor. He's seeing him. So we stand clothed in the armor of God. And of course, he's frightened by that because he can't stand that. But if we lift up our... What happens? He sees us. He goes, oh, it's only you behind that mask. Are we used to wearing masks or what? Are you glad to be liberated from the mask? How many is glad to be liberated from the mask? Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. So we're clothed with the armor of God. And so we could, we could expound on all of what the armor is, but uh, that's for another lesson. Number two, Peter and Paul both admonish us to use our faith to resist and stand against. Stand against these evil forces of darkness. Put up a solid front. Put up a solid stand. Standing against these evil forces of darkness that are raging war with us that want to destroy us. We must do our part under point A in using our faith to resist and stand against the enemy while expecting God to do his part in watching over his word to make it good. Are we expecting God to do his part? We should. I'm doing my part and Lord, I'm expecting you to do your part. Because that's how it works. Number three, 
Standing in faith for healing really is what this is all about. A, and these are some key points that we can apply to our lives. Refuse to accept the condition as the final authority. Refuse to accept the condition as being the final authority. You know, some are of the, let's say, in the impression that if the healthcare worker says that's how it is, well, then that's how it is. Now, we're not denying the reality of what it is in the natural, just like you're not denying, we didn't deny the fact that there were giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb didn't deny the fact that there were walled cities in the land. He never denied that. That is a natural reality. But he did say this, they're not greater than God. They're not more powerful than the God that I serve, that we serve, right? Okay, so that's not the final authority. Remember Proverbs 18, 21 tells us, death and life are in the power of the what? The power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So in other words, the words that we say, how we respond to what was said by the healthcare professional is important. So, what we say is your next word is important. See, we can hear what the healthcare professionals are saying or telling us, but we don't have to accept it as the final word or the final authority and this is it, this is how it's going to be, this is how it has to be. We don't have to accept that. Okay, here's an illustration. When Andrew uh, was young, you know his story, but we were also told by another healthcare worker that said he will be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. Now think about that. He will be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. That was her professional pro uh, let's say, observation, as far as she was concerned, perception. That's how it is. So you might as well just get used to it. He'll be living on a feeding tube for as long as he lives, which they didn't think was very long anyhow, however long that was, but he will never get off a feeding tube. He'll never be able to eat as a normal human being. Now, we were not rude or disrespectful in any way, and we should never be. But we chose not to agree with what she said. And after she left our room, we looked at each other and said, Lord, we don't agree with that. See, it's important to know this. They are possibly and probably correct in their diagnosis. Nothing wrong with that. We don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree with it. So no matter what is said, even though it may be true, it doesn't mean that I've got to agree with it. And so we said, no, we don't believe that. He will be able to eat as a normal human being. We didn't say that in disrespect to her. We didn't even say that to her. We said, thank you for your professional opinion. We appreciate that very, very much. Thank you. And she went her way. But then we stood together and we just said, no, we don't agree with that. As far as we're concerned, he will be able to eat like a normal human being. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we said, I believe, trumped what she said. We believe that. So what we say is absolutely important as far as death and life are concerned. Okay, so your word is agreed. Did you see that one? 
We said we didn't agree with it. Next, we told the cardiologist to do what they needed to do. Notice the two words, we believe. We believe. When they came to us and said, we lost him twice during the catheterization. He needs surgery. He can't make it because we lost him twice. He's too weak. He could die in your arms or die in surgery. That was their professional opinion. That's what they said would happen. And we, without disrespect in any way, appreciated their expertise and their professionalism. But I said to the both doctors, doctors, do what you have to do. We believe. So once again, we weren't accepting that as the final authority. That's not the final word. Maybe in the natural, that's how it should come out or pan out. But that doesn't mean that I have to accept that or you have to accept that. Why? Because Lord who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. So we believe a higher report. Thank God there is a higher report. And we need to know the higher report and have faith in the higher report. Which was the report of Jesus bearing our sickness and carrying our pain. So we can say we believe in miracles, but should never show disrespect to the healthcare workers. We should never do that. Hey, I, I respect all that they have done for Andrew, all that they continued to do for Andrew. It took a lot of years, I'm sure, of study and all that they go through. for. And thank God for all that. Thank God for all the help we can get. But ultimately, who is the great healer? Jesus is. Jehovah Rapha is. And so our trust and confidence is in Him. Now, we believe in scriptures like, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. So if we leaned only on the understanding of, once again, the healthcare professionals and say there's nothing higher than that, there's nothing above that, then what? You're bound now to that limitation. Remember in Psalm 78, 41, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel? How did they do that? By, by believing that the giants were bigger than their God. By believing that the walled cities were stronger than their God. But Joshua and Caleb didn't say that. They had a different report. And so it's up to us to recognize we need to exalt the word of God, the revelation of our covenant with God above the natural report and say, I am putting my confidence and faith and trust in his understanding. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. His ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. As high as the heavens are above the earth. You know, I told you a long time ago, I did a study on that just to see how high it is. Well, we know just the sun is 93 million miles away. Would you say that's pretty high? Sure it is. Well, guess what? You take it to the heavens, the highest heavens, multiply that by umpteen <laughs> zeros and whatever. That's how much higher his ways and thoughts are than ours. And we actually think we know something. Right? We think we do. What do we know? When you compare it to that, we know nothing. So, I am to side with him. And if God be for me, who could be against me? Under point B, take responsibility. Number two, take number one is refuse to accept the condition as the final authority. Number two, take responsibility for our own healing. Take responsibility. Our healing is between ourselves and God, are your two words. Ourselves and God. I've got to take responsibility for that. It's fine to ask believers who are strong in faith to agree with us. 
It's fine, is your next word. Because in Matthew 18, 19, if two of us shall agree on earth as touching anything we shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven, right? If one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight, right? All right, so there's power in, in, in numbers coming together in agreement, right? We, we, we understand that. One standing alone can be easily defeated. Two can stand back to back and overcome. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12. So we know all this. So it's not wrong for me to enlist someone else's help and just say, I want you to agree with me. But remember this. I'm taking responsibility for my own healing. I'm taking responsibility to stand in faith against whatever has come against me in my body. I'm asking you to agree with me. So here's the point. I need to know what I believe and communicate that effectively to somebody who's agreeing with me and say, all I want you to do is agree with me that by his stripes, I was healed and my whatever condition might be is healed by the power of God. God's power is at work within me. His spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body, imparting to it resurrection life. So I call myself healed, delivered and set free and made whole. Now, would you agree with me? Make sure that they believe that way. Don't don't enlist somebody who doesn't believe like that. You know, that's not agreement. So I agree with you, or you agree with me, that with his stripes, I was healed, I am healed. So, it's good to know others are standing with us and, uh, and adding the strength of their agreement to our faith. The strength of their agreement to our faith. Spiritual forces and powers are real. They're genuine. They're adding their strength to our faith. And it helps us to continue to stand. So God has given everyone the measure of faith that he expects us to use to resist and stand against sickness. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Let not any man think more highly of himself as he ought to. For as it is written, God has given each and every one of us what? The, not a, but the measure of faith I have the measure of faith you have the measure of faith and I believe personally that we all got the same measure of faith because it's saving faith that's where we all start so once we got saved we got saved by faith by grace are you saved through faith and so we all have the first step in and that's by faith we can all access the same grace of God so every single one of us has the measure of faith now we can grow our faith we can build on our faith But it's up to us to do our part. And how does faith come? By hearing and hearing, not having heard. You know, you may have heard it before. And we said this last week. You retain knowledge if you don't continue to study it. You can still retain knowledge. By straps, I was healed. You have that knowledge. But faith diminishes if I'm not feeding it. That's so important for us to really, really hone in on and recognize. If I'm not feeding it constantly, it diminishes while knowledge is retained. That's why when people say, I know that, I know that. Well, we may know that, but that doesn't mean that we're operating in it. It doesn't mean there's an act of faith in it. It's just knowledge. We need to have not just the knowledge of it, but activate faith in it. And how does that come? By hearing it over and over and over and over again. Actually, we can never hear it enough. We need to feed our faith like we need to feed our bodies. How many square meals a day do you feed your body? I squirt mine around. Constantly, right? 
Why? Because we need the energy. Well, the same thing is true with our faith in God. To feed it, we've got to get into the Word, meditate the Word, and continue to keep it before our eyes as a frontlet. Why? Because we're going to be challenged every step of the way. Now, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and verse 29, and in that verse, what did Jesus say to the blind man? According to your faith, be it unto you. See, all these verses of Scripture, all these examples in the Word, are given to us for our admonition. So that we could glean some light from that and gather some understanding that we need so that we could take the right position when it comes to experiencing what God wants for us to have. Well, here he says to the man, okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. If you can believe, all things are possible. If you say to that mountain, be removed, it will obey you and nothing will be impossible to you. Notice where the if lies. If you can believe, if you say to that mountain, according to your faith... It'll be done to you. So we should never minimize this. It's so important for us to recognize our faith has much to do with the, here's your word, outcomes we experience in life. Our faith has much to do with the outcomes we experience in life. Well, to be honest with you, you're going to have a bad outcome if you don't believe in Jesus. It's not going to be a good outcome. It's going to be a bad outcome. If you don't make him your Savior and Lord, and that takes faith. In Matthew 5.34, this is the woman with the issue of blood. You know her story. She suffered for 12 years, many things of many physicians. She wasn't any better, but she rather grew worse. She heard of Jesus, and when she heard of him, she came in a press behind and touched his garment for She said, if I may but touch him. The thing I like about that is she took responsibility for her healing. Did she not? If I may but touch him. Or touch his clothes. I will be whole. And she gathered herself together. And she did the unthinkable. But she did it. She made certain. That she was not going to let anything. Prevent her from getting to Jesus. And touching the hem of his garment. Well. When it was all said and done. She fell down and told him all the truth. What did Jesus say to her? Daughter. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Jesus did not even know the woman was coming to touch him. Jesus didn't even know who it was that touched him until she identified herself. So imagine that. This is a woman who just heard of Jesus and made a decision, I am going to set aside everything I need to set aside and focus on one thing, and that's touching the hem of of his garment. The faith came by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That was revealed to her from others. And she acted on that. And as a result. It produced a miracle. So her faith produced. An outcome. That was impossible to be achieved. Any other available way. It produced the right outcome. In her life. And that's what we're looking for. The right outcome. God's outcome. He wants us well. He wants us whole. Under point C, we've been given authority over every living thing, including every individual form of life or every life form. We've been given authority over every living thing. Say it with me. I have authority, I have authority. 
over every living thing upon the earth. Wow, that's, that's something to think about, isn't it? All right, well, let's consider that for a moment. So, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, we're told, So God made man in his image and likeness and gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, right? And every creep, a creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You can say both, every creep and every creeping thing. But either way you want to say it, it's, it's, it's a fact. Right? Every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, the thing about that is that there were times when we couldn't see some of the creeps. Did you know that? Because there weren't microscopes. So we couldn't see those creeping things that were creeping upon the earth. But we developed the microscope so that we could see some of those creeping things. Look in your notes here. Every living thing that moves includes microscopic organisms that cause diseases. The American Lung Association says that bacteria and viruses are living organisms that cause diseases. Dominion means to control Governed by rule is your next word. By superior authority or power. Hmm. Wait a minute. Have we thought that way over the years? That these living organisms, they're living things upon the planet. They're living forms of life. Even though they're forms of death, they're still a living thing. Well... We've been given dominion over every living thing, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You talk about getting an education. You don't hear this taught in school, do you? Go to your science class, biology class or whatever. They don't tell you man has dominion over all these things you see under the microscope there. Man has been given dominion to rule over them all. We're not taught that. We don't learn that when we're growing Wouldn't it be great if we learned that when we were growing up? Couldn't even see it when you were growing up. But now we see it. Now we know it. But we've been given authority over it all. And it's up to us to recognize that and then rise up to a place to realize it's up to us to use our superior authority and dominion to rule even the unseen realm where these living organisms exist. Now... As we go on, there can be weapons. These can be weapons formed against us. Boy, you think about COVID-19 when you think about that? Weapons formed against us. Even man-made weapons formed against us. And designed to invade us. Wow. Hard to imagine, but it's true. Well, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54 and verse 17, I've got some good news for all of us. And isn't the Bible good news? Isn't God's word good news? And what is that good news? No weapon formed against us will succeed or prosper. This is the new living. Listen to this. 
you will silence every voice raised up against you to accuse you. You take that into that realm of the unseen. You take that to the realm where the germs are, the bacteria are, and all that. The organisms are. And that'd be great for us to rise up to a place and just, to, just well, as a matter of fact, I'll give you an example. John G. Lake was a man that God used mightily in the healing ministry. And because he had a scientific background as well, he had access to getting into the hospitals and, and using the equipment that they have to really see how some things worked under the microscope. And as a result, when, when he wanted to, he, did a, he practiced certain things. One thing was when the bubonic plague broke out, he had them take some of the bloody froth that came out of the mouth of the individual and put it under the microscope and said, what do you see? And they, they said, we see all these living organisms, all, this, all these germs and bacteria and all that. He said, oh, okay. He took the same bloody froth on his hand and stuck it under the microscope and said, what do you see now? And they said, they all died. They all died. He had a revelation, such a revelation of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And he, that's exactly what he said to them. There's a higher law than the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free from the law of sin and death. And therefore, that, those germs, they have no power over me. And they marveled at what they saw. He did other tests as well, where he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And he did an experiment where someone had some kind of bone disease. And as a result, he said, now check it out and see what's there. And they did. He said, now check it out when I put my hand on it and tell me what you see. They saw movement taking place and they saw something happening and the bone that was infected or affected was made whole. And they couldn't believe it. What he experienced is absolutely beyond we can, what we can think. There were times when he would lay hands on somebody that had layers as a result of a disease, layers of flesh in his stomach. And he just walked in. He was... In a hurry, there was a place he had to go, but he was called upon. Laid his hand on the stomach of the individual where the layers were. The flesh was just over five layers. And he left. He got word, I think, a few days later. They said, a marvelous thing happened when you left. We watched. Your hand imprint was on his stomach and every layer was burned away. And he became normal. Wow. He said, that's the law of life. You can read it in his book called Adventures in God. And he had quite a few adventures in God. Imagine it. So, we see here that we've got authority over all living creatures, including organisms, bacteria, germs, and so on. But we are not taught to think that way. We were never raised to think that way. We were never educated to think that way. We were educated to think that here is a, something, a medication that you can use to counteract that, to overcome that. And that's how we grew up. Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth said in his life in ministry, which he had many raised from the dead, there will come a time when medical science will, will take over in such a way that it will take and distract the faith of people away from God and the redemptive work of Christ and place it more largely in 
what man can do through medical science. And while man has done a lot through medical science, and we appreciate all the advancements that have taken place and the help that we get, sometimes he was saying it's at the expense of a person's faith and rising up to a place where they really exclusively believe that God is greater and that God will, will do it on our behalf. And so it kind of warred against our faith. And he was right. Under point D, read and confess the scriptures daily. So we've been given authority over all living things. We know that. Now read and confess the scriptures daily. Hebrews 10.23 tells us to hold fast your confession of faith without wavering, for faithful is he that promised. So that verse instructs us to, your next two words, hold fast to our confession of faith, knowing that the one who promised us is faithful. In other words, if I do my part, he'll do his part. If I'm faithful to hold fast my confession of faith, he's faithful to see to it that he'll watch over his word and make it good. Jesus is the high priest of our confession who confesses what we confess before the Father. As we confess the word, we give the Spirit something to work with. Oh my. We need to hear that over and over again. As we confess and declare the word to be true, we give the Spirit something to work with. You go back to the book of Genesis and you find out nothing took place. The Spirit of God was hovering over all the earth. Nothing took place until the word was spoken. When God said, let there be light, then he moved and something was created. We do the same thing. We speak the word. It was when God said something that the Spirit began to move is your next word. It's when we say something that God begins to act on our behalf. The Spirit begins to work on our behalf because He needs something to work with. In Jeremiah 30, for example, verse 17, you could say something like this. You are restoring health to me and healing me of all my wounds. That's my faith declaration. You're restoring health to me. Right now, you're restoring health to me and healing me of all my wounds. He hears that. He knows it's His Word. We hold it up before Him. He sees himself in his word and he acts accordingly. Under point E, fight the fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hath confessed or professed a good profession before many witnesses. So, in your notes, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't faint. And don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't faint. Don't lose heart. Our actions are to correspond to our words. And you see that revealed to us in James 2, 19-26, where James talks about actions that are necessary to correspond with our words, what we say, our, our faith. And he illustrates it by talking about how Abraham, because of his what? Actions that corresponded with his faith... His faith was made perfect and spared, of course, his son's life. This may mean not giving into symptoms or feelings. This may mean not giving into symptoms or feelings. Hmm. How much are we moved by our feelings and emotions and symptoms in our body? If you recall the story of the serpent on the pole, when they were bitten, they were told, don't look at the symptom Look at the solution. Remember that? Don't look at the symptom. Look at the solution. Gaze into it with a steady, absorbing gaze. Look at it expectantly. Look at it attentively with a steady, absorbing gaze. And the temptation is to look at where we got bit. But he says, uh-uh. 
that is your death. Look at the solution and thank God for the solution. And anyone that did got healed. Number or letter F rather. Don't blame God. Mm, not a good thing. Not a good thing, Aaron. Don't don't blame God. Acts ten thirty eight tells us what how God the Father anointed Jesus the Son with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God is not the problem. He's the problem solver. He's the solution to the problem, right? So don't blame God. God doesn't put sickness on us is your next word. He doesn't do it. He's not teaching us a lesson. The devil wants to destroy us, and blaming God is what Satan wants us to do. It's exactly what he wants us to do. Blame God for it. Because if God's behind it, there's no way you're going to get out of it. Sometimes these things are illogical, but, but people actually believe it and say, God wants me sick. Okay, why are you going to the doctors? God's teaching me a lesson. I'm sick. Well, why are you getting medicine? Learn the lesson and you'll be healed. See, it doesn't make any logical sense to say that. No, you're going to get help because God wants you well and you know it. And you're going to get well no matter by what means you're going to get well. You're going to get well by believing God and using whatever means are available to you to get well. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, it's important that we recognize it's not, we're not blaming God for anything. He's not the force that's behind it. He's the problem solver. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. Okay, under point G. Don't condemn yourself for doubtful thoughts. Remember 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. So we walk in the flesh and not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. That are pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So don't condemn yourself for doubtful thoughts. They're going to come into your head. But faith is of the heart, not the head, are your next two words. Faith is of the heart, not the head. Resist thoughts of guilt and condemnation with the word. Oh, you're not good enough. Well, first of all, if he's a liar, then that's a lie, isn't it? Then you must be good enough. Your faith isn't working. Is he a liar? Then obviously your faith is working. You know, we could use that psychology, reverse psychology on him. Right? Mm-hmm. So resist thoughts of guilt and condemnation with the word of God. Like Romans 8, 1 says, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. And so therefore, I will not be condemned. I'm believing God. And if there's somewhere, somewhere along the lane that I, I missed the mark, I'm just going to ask for forgiveness. Under point H, stand against fear. Stand against fear. Fear has torment. 1 John 4.18 tells us the fear has torment. Perfect love casts out all fear. It can't be from God. Fear does not come from God. God does not torment His children. No, rebuke it is your word. Rebuke fear. Stand against fear. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So replace thoughts of fear with the word. Replace. Thought replacement. Replace it with the word. Isaiah 41.10, perfect example. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Yea, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And so... He's given us reasons why not to fear because the great I am is with me. He's on my side. He's walking me through this. He's helping me through this. I'm going to stand in faith 
fight the good fight of faith and refuse to let fear dominate my life. Everyone is attacked with fear. But we have power over it. And let's not forget that. We have power over it. You will notice every time an angel appears to somebody in the Bible, the first thing, first two words out of his mouth, fear not. Fear not. Why? Because we're living in the natural world and we, when we see something in the supernatural realm, fear. It's unknown to us. It can produce fear in our lives. He says, fear not. Don't be afraid. Uh, point I. Surround ourselves with thoughts of victory. Why? Because in some, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7, what does it say? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, paint a picture of victory. Our thinking has much to do with what we experience in life, just like our words do. Your next word is experience. We can surround ourselves with a word and with pictures of ourselves being healthy. And that takes us back to Dodie Osteen when she was given, what, six weeks to live from metastatic cancer of the liver. And she said she put a picture of herself riding a horse and of her wedding day on her nightstand, either was her nightstand or a dresser, and she saw herself that way. And even though when she looked in the mirror, she saw herself a frail, very thin, frail individual, she refused to let her kids buy her a smaller size dress. She says, I don't see myself that way. I see myself healed. I see myself whole. And she focused her attention on that. And as a result, what, 41 years later, she is still healed and whole. Delivered from cancer, only supposed to live for six weeks. But how many have taken the opportunity to do what she did to fight this good fight of faith? She put together a network of scriptures and she presented them before the throne of God. And she said every single day she spoke those scriptures out to the Lord. You're restoring health to me, healing me of every wound. With the stripes I was healed. With long life you satisfy me. You show me your great salvation. And she declared it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You talk about redundant. But I'll tell you what, what an outcome. She's still alive. I think that was 1981 or something like that. Something in the 80s. So over 40 years ago. And finally, the most wonderful thing we could ever do. thing we get excited about. Examine ourselves. If he said examine your neighbor, boy, you'd be right on it, right? Wouldn't just, just easy too. We could see all the flaws and faults that people have, but we can't see our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And we just celebrated communion, or the Lord's Supper on Sunday. Make sure we are rightly discerning the Lord's body and blood. Oh, hallelujah. Rightly discerning the Lord's body and blood. Make sure we're not harboring anything that displeases God. And finally, give no entry point or place to the devil the body and the blood the blood was shed for our sin the body was broken for our sickness and disease and he wants us to rightly discern that in other words look into it know what it means and it means that his body not just his physical body but also the church his spiritual body we could say our individual body which is the temple of God we can look at it in those three lights as well. Okay? So we see that, we acknowledge that, and we let him know, I believe, I have a covenant with you, 
And that covenant tells me healing belongs to me. Your body was broken. There are too many in our Christian circles today that say healing is not in the atonement. And that is a disrespect to the broken body of Jesus Christ. His body was so battered and beaten beyond recognition. So much so that the prophets could even say he didn't appear human-like. And so that's incomprehensible to us. But that wasn't just the Roman lictor's stripes upon him. The Bible said it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. Can we imagine that? Jehovah, the full wrath of God, Jehovah bruised him with his full wrath. He became sin for us who knew no sin. He bore our mental anguish. He bore our sickness and pain and, and disease. He became the curse on Calvary's tree. You talk about a word right there. He became the curse. The curse that Adam unleashed on all the human race. He became the curse for us. Being made a curse for us. That the blessings of Abraham, life, health, prosperity can come upon us in every way. Wow. Can we say amen to what Jesus did? Let's all stand together and just delight ourselves in him and appreciate what he's done for us. Hallelujah.